0: So, you are the ones who are brave enough (laughs) to stay for a talk on anger, I think. (laughs) It's not a crowd pleaser. (laughs) Before I begin, how are you temperature-wise? Because I'm freezing. (laughs) Maybe, is the heat on? I meant to ask that before the break. It is on? Yeah, so there's a bunch of bre- blankets on either side. If you want to just grab some now, that's just fine. And the heat is on. It's, yeah? The heat's on. It's, it's on now. OK. <laughs> now it's on, so maybe it'll heat up as I go on here. OK. Everyone cozy. So anger. The reason I'm wanting to explore this topic is because this last week I've been engaged in a conversation, an ongoing conversation with somebody on this theme, and it's really been... Uh, I've been getting to witness and listen and learn as this person has been exploring his relationship with anger. And, and it's been a dialogue, so I've been, I, you know, he'll say something and then I say something. And there's something about um, being able to talk about a subject like this in a really open way, that is that's really, for me, um, one just stimulated my curiosity on the theme, uh, and has really made me look at myself and what is my relationship with anger, and it's changed since the beginning of the conversation. And then also really curious about what the Buddha. Had to say on the topic, so I thought I'd bring a little bit of both uh, to to tonight's talk. And so to begin, what I thought we would do is collect some words that relate to this one word, anger. There are so many different variations of anger, and so I thought we'd bring them all in, or you know, verbally <laughs> in words. And so maybe what we could do is just have a f- have you call out fear. fear. Mm-hmm. What else comes to mind? Boundaries, passion, boiling. boiling. Oh, good one. Hurt. Hurt. Uh huh. Oh, intolerance. Politics. Politics. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Anything else? Confusion. Confusion. Flooding? Flooding. Oh, flooding? Flooding. Flooding. Defensiveness. Yeah. Being Being right, powerful. Uh huh. Injustice. Yeah. Survival. Survival. Threat. Threat. Yeah. Say again? Pride. Ooh, these are good. Unconscious. Unconscious. Uncomfortable. Yep. Ego. Okay, we'll stop there. (laughs) I feel like we might be able to keep going on that. So this is a universal emotion that whether we're comfortable with it or not, we are all familiar with it on some, in, in some way, to some degree. And um, one of the first things I did was go onto Google <laughs> to see if I could come up with a list of words, different variations on anger. And so I found a website with a pretty good blog on the topic. This comes from emotionalcompetency.com. And so words for anger, and I like this, this list because it, it's a, it goes in range of intensity. <laughs> so you'll see how this builds. Annoyance, irritation, aggravation, agitation, frustration, peeved, annoyed, miffed, sulking, offended, bitter, indignation, exasperation, incensed, pissed, outraged, hostile, spite, vengefulness, resentment, wrath, rage, fury, ferocity, and livid. And then it goes on to say that bitterness describes a long-lasting result of unresolved anger. So another form of anger. Hate, also a form of anger, is a form of anger because you blame the other for your difficulties when you decide to hate them. So all of this, all of these words uh, we could use under this umbrella word of anger. So the, the blog went on to say that in addition to, to uh, varying over a wide range of intensity, anger also has a variety of forms. And it goes on to include indignation as uh, self-righteous anger, sulking as passive anger, Uh, Exasperation, as anger at having your patience unduly tried. (laughs) I like that one. (laughs) Revenge, a deliberate response to an offense delayed until after a period of reflection. Revenge. So these are the flavors of anger. So what's at the root of our anger? And so some of you named that. The first one that came out was fear. I think that was the first one that you said, right? That was the first one that, when I was reflecting on this, that came up for me, that often at the root of anger is some form of fear. And actually, anger... uh, is a very primal emotion, very much linked to our nervous system. Uh, We talk about, in terms of the nervous system, the fight-flight-freeze response. And so this fight response could be said to be anger. And we experience this, for example, uh, when we're driving around town and... You know, there's the traffic. Yes, there's that. But every now and then, something happens. Someone pulls out in front of you unexpectedly. Someone swerves into your lane. And it scares us, right? We have this startle response. We go into that quick fight-flight-freeze mode of, whoa, because there's a sense of our life being endangered in this way. And hopefully there isn't a collision and we're okay, although that happens sometimes too. And I know in the times where it's happened to me, where it's a close call and that uh, adrenaline rush comes up, the adrenaline rush and there's that fear there, immediately after (laughs) is the anger, right? We can very quickly respond Uh, from that place of fear, just naturally, without it being something we think of, but we just naturally can respond with anger. So I think sometimes it's that immediate response. Sometimes it's a long-term effect. There's something in our life that is just not right, not fair, unjust, we're seeing it over and over and over again. Maybe it's something we're experiencing directly. Maybe it's something we're seeing in the news over and over and over again. So at the root of it is fear. And so we can start to trace that directly as we experience it. And so this fear is coming from uh, our, this feeling of our life being threatened Or maybe it's just the quality of our life being threatened, how we think it should be, and maybe rightfully so, right? Maybe there's uh, certain human rights that are not being met, and so our life in that way is being threatened, and so there can be a lot of fear there and a lot of anger there. When the Buddha talks about anger, he links it very much directly to the kalesas or uh, the three unwholesome roots. So this is um, desire or greed, hatred or aversion or delusion is the third one. And when I was thinking about this, immediately I thought, well, anger links to hatred. That's the root of of anger when we are looking at the the Buddhist description. But actually, the more I reflected on it, it became quite obvious that uh, all three of those can be at the root of our anger. So maybe it's not just hatred. Maybe there's greed there. Greed because we're wanting something that we don't have. But we feel that we should have it. And so there's an anger there. Or perhaps something that we really want or maybe we did have was taken away. And then there's anger there. Maybe it's delusion coming straight out of our not understanding, our ignorance. Uh, We see this maybe in situations where we're angry at somebody or a situation, but we actually don't know the intention of that person or the full story of the situation. We have a snapshot, and our anger arrives from that. But we're not actually seeing things fully clearly. And so anger has roots, or I'm sorry, all three of these can be the roots of anger, not just hatred. So what else does the Buddha have to say? The Buddha had a lot to say about it. I was um, kind of surprised, actually, when I started researching it and looking to the suttas, which are the teachings of the Buddha. Ah. Uh, there are so many references to anger. He talked about it a lot, and when he talked about it, often words that he used uh, that he used to talk about how to be with it were words like abandon, restrain, unwholesome. Those were words used over and over and over again through the suttas, related to the practice with anger. So abandon, restrain, unwholesome. And this is for good reason. Anger is just an emotion. We have a whole range of emotions. Anger is just one of them. But anger has this ability, because it's so strong, it has this ability to create fruits of uh, harm. Harm through our actions, harm through our speech, and even harm in our mind. If you've ever held a grudge about some, some wrong that has been done to you, and it's just replayed over and over and over to the point where it's just flooded your whole mental system. How many of you have experienced that? <laughs> Never. <laughs> yeah. it's It pollutes our mind. It pollutes our hearts. This is the uh, damage that, that anger can do. It's It's just that strong. And so I think this is why the Buddha talked about it in such a strong way. The words that he used were really strong against the cultivation of anger. Uh, That this is an emotion that we don't want to feed if we are looking for freedom and peace in our minds and in our hearts. So here's a few quotes from the Buddha. This is from the Dhammapada. Guard against anger erupting in the body. In the body, be restrained. Having abandoned bodily misconduct, live, uh, live conducting yourself well in the body. Guarding against anger erupting in speech. In speech, be restrained having abandoned verbal misconduct, live conducting yourself well in speech, guarding against anger erupting in mind. So even in the mind, our thoughts, it's not just about our actions and our speech, but even in the mind, he says the same refrain, in mind, be restrained, having abandoned mental misconduct, live. Conducting yourself well in the mind. Those restrained in body, the enlightened. Restrained in speech, enlightened. Restrained in mind, enlightened are the ones whose restraint is secure. So these are pretty strong, direct instructions to not cultivate even the thoughts that are angry. That might be asking a lot for most of us. Do we actually have that level of control over our mind? Now, when I read this, I feel like I understand what he's pointing at. But I feel like the only reason I understand what the Buddha is pointing at is because uh, because I've practiced with anger and have gotten to know it really well. I think one of the dangers of reading the texts of the Buddha in this context is that we get this idea that anger, you know, okay, it's unwholesome. We don't want to bring it up. And so what do we do with it? Yeah, we try to suppress it. I think that this is the common reaction to this type of instruction when we don't understand, when there's just a not full understanding of what's being taught here, as we try to repress it. We push it away guess what that pushing away is? It's aversion, yeah. Aversion is a form of anger. It's actually a form of hatred, according to the Buddha. If we hate our anger, if we are uh, trying to push it away, push it down, repress it, This is actually not what the Buddha is teaching. It's not what he's talking about. I think this is a big problem in spiritual community, that we get this idea that in order to be spiritual, it needs to look a certain way. And anger is not part of that look. This is dangerous, I think. I'm not saying that we should all explode right now and, and to express our anger and, you know, throw it at each other. That's not what I'm talking about. But the, the room and the freedom to actually sit here in the experience of anger without having to apologize for it when when it's what we're needing to practice with. This is important. And I think it's missed often when there isn't an understanding of what this really is. And so when I was thinking about this and reflecting on how do we get to that place where we're actually sitting in the fire of anger in our practice? Do we just jump into that? Maybe not. Anger is very powerful. In order to really sit with it in a wise way, we have to first, I believe, have some level of uh, insight around it, some level of understanding of how to even begin to sit with it. So there's a preliminary practice here that's needed, that's necessary. So, actually, the, anecdote for, the antidote for uh, anger in the suttas is a strong heart. A strong heart of kindness and of compassion. And I think this is where most of us need to start. We start with the metta practice, the loving-kindness practice, or the karuna practice which is the compassion practice. And these practices work for a variety of reasons. One, we're learning how to, instead of have aversion towards the anger, to actually open up with wisdom and kindness towards it. We're moving towards an attitude of allowing, allowing for the emotion to be there, rather than to be fearful of it and push it away. We can't, we can't overcome our anger with fear. It just won't work. We can only overcome it with love, with compassion, with kindness. That is its antidote. That's what the Buddha taught. And so we can start with the metta practice and compassion practice. And so as anger arises in our practice, we can recite the phrases towards the anger, actually, or towards the person that we are angry with, or maybe it's just to ourself. Maybe we're most upset with ourself. Maybe that's where the anger is being directed. And so as we begin to soften towards just allowing this particular emotion to be there, there can also be uh, another uh, byproduct, if you will, of the metta and compassion practice, which can be tranquility. This um, often comes with a mind that is much more concentrated, a mind that is more settled, this isn't easy to do in the face of anger. The energy of anger, when it's in the mind, it's, it can be just like rapid fire, where all the thoughts and memories and what we will do <laughs> to this person or to the situation in the future is just haunting and relentless. Relentless. And so tranquility might seem miles away. But it is possible through the practice of metta and compassion to actually come to a place where even in the fire of anger, there can be a level of stillness and ease and concentration. So this might be where we start. And then once we stop rejecting the anger, when we're no longer afraid of the anger, that's when we sit with it. We sit in the fire of anger. And that's what it feels like. And I speak from experience. I'll tell you a story of being on retreat. This was I, it was either a month-long or two-month uh, silent retreat at Spirit Rock, I don't remember. And it was a while ago, Um, and I didn't go there knowing that I had some really intense anger towards a very particular person in a very particular situation. It wasn't what I went there to practice with. It's not what I had in mind for my two months. It never is. (laughs) But there it was, and it just kept coming up. It wasn't there all the time, but often in my sittings this anger would come up and the story of what happened and what they said and what I wish I had said and blah, 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 blah. and it would just arise. And, and I noticed, you know, it would come up and I'd bring in the metta practice and then it would kind of fizzle out and then things would be fine for a little while and it would come up. And I might just try naming it, hoping that that would work, that that would make it go away. And it might even work. And everything kind of calms down, and then it comes back up. And then I start, you know, lobbying Meta (laughs) at it, hoping that that will be enough so that it'll go away. And there was, at some point, Early on in the retreat, which was lucky for me, that where I realized that what I was doing was using the tools that I had in practice to not be with the anger. I was not interested in the least in being with my anger, which is probably a pattern, actually, up to that point. I was so uncomfortable with it. It felt like it wasn't the thing that should be happening, should be happening on my very nice meditation retreat. It's not what I had in mind. And quite frankly, I don't think I really knew how to even be with anger at that point. You know, I think I talked about it being a problem in spiritual communities, but it's a problem in, I think, in community in general. A lot of us have been raised where anger is not okay. Maybe we got in a lot of trouble for having the emotion that was anger. Maybe love was even uh, held back when we were angry as a little girl or a little boy. So we learn really young that anger is bad. Happiness, good; anger, bad. And so, how we relate to anger in our spiritual communities, I think, actually, is stemming from that, from a, a larger uh, uh, attitude that uh, we find in our in our communities, our larger communities. The problem with that and what i found in this retreat was when, is when we are not okay with our anger, when we're afraid of it, when we don't know how to be with it, it becomes repressed. It becomes um, part of our shadow. It becomes a part of ourselves that we don't know. Now, this process of awakening of freedom in our mind and in our heart, it requires us to leave nothing unseen. We have to know it all. We have to become intimate with all of it. And that includes anger, big time. So there I was on this particular retreat, experiencing anger, realizing that I was aversive to it, and just covering that aversion with a lot of fancy technique that wasn't really working. And I remember very clearly coming into the meditation hall, sitting down. The anger arose. The images were there. The feeling in my body was there. And in my mind, I just said, anger, let's Do this. (laughs) And I just sat with the anger and I let it completely uh, arise. It didn't take over though. The voice in me that said, anger, let's do this, let's look at this, that wasn't actually uh, the fear saying that anymore. It wasn't the aversion saying that anymore. It was wisdom saying that. It's time to look at this. And I was ready at that time. I was ready in that moment to really fully be with the power of anger. It is. It's powerful. And I felt it. I sat there for quite a long time. I'd say at least the whole sit, if not even a little bit longer, if I stayed after the bell, just to be with it. And it was very intense. And I remember how it felt in my body. I felt it in every single cell. Intense energy, heat, memory, thoughts. I could feel the fear that was related to that particular uh, energy of anger. And then you know what happened is that it came, and then it went. The difference this time was that I had really seen it. I knew it intimately. And it, this particular anger didn't come up again around this particular instance. I'm not saying that I don't experience anger anymore. <laughs> but that particular instance of anger just needed to be seen And I did. I saw it. And I saw it with a heart that was strong enough to see it. Uh, The wisdom to stay with it. A mindfulness practice that could investigate it and be with it intimately, get to know it. And that was what was needed. And that's what's called for with our anger. That's how we really work with it. Once we're ready... I feel like this should come with fine print, though, <laughs> sitting in the fire of anger. We, can't, we can only do it when we're ready. Something else that I see often with um, practitioners, especially on retreat, but also lay practitioners, people not on retreat, is that we see something like anger, and for some of us, our problem isn't, staying away from it. Our thing is, I'm going to get rid of this by mining to the depths of what's underneath that anger. And we push and we, you know, uh, dig and pry open our heart and mind to figure out the solution to this thing that is just so uncomfortable and unbearable that the only way to get rid of it, is right through it. And we're going to mind our way through. There is languaging in the suttas for this, in support of this. So there are teachings of the Buddha for this. So there's that. (laughs) I want to share with you my experience with that which I've seen over and over and over again from practitioners, that that is not helpful. I have not seen that to be helpful. Maybe you've experienced something and it has been helpful for you, so I don't want to deny your experience. But there is something about allowing us to come to this when we're ready, when our mind is ready, when our heart is ready, I mean, even the idea of prying open to the depths. uh, There's a lot of self and ego involved with that. There's also a lot of aversion and greed involved with that. Not allowing it to take its time, not allowing for insight to actually arise, and for the insight and the wisdom to be what leads us. Not our idea of how this should be, that we should be able to get over this. I should be able to just be done with this already. It's been years. (laughs) I can't believe this is coming up again. I should be able to be over this. And I'm going to do whatever I can in this sit to have that result. Not helpful. And yet it can feel so intuitive as the right thing to do. But actually we want the wisdom, we want the compassion, the kindness, the strength of heart to be what leads us through this. And it's not even a through. That was something that came up in my discussion with this person. It's not a through, you're not going through anything you are not going anywhere. (laughs) You are being with it. The idea here is to be with it. It's really different. That's harder to do, to just be with it. But that's actually what we're asked to do, to turn towards it and to just be with it. Not easy. But once we have actually had that chance to be with it, then we're ready to be with anger uh, through the Dharma. We then can understand the teachings of the Buddha in relationship to to this theme, this topic. Before that, I think it can be really confusing. And so you can see these steps that need to be taken. We don't go from, from A to Z. There's, there's a process here that we are going through. This is a really beautiful um, stanza. In the Dhammapada, on anger. When anger arises, whoever keeps firm control, as if with a racing chariot, which is kind of like, uh, it's like anger. Him or her, I call a master chari- charioteer. Charioteur? Anyone else a rain holder, that is all. When we know how to be with our anger, when we get to know it, the anger is no longer in control. So you can imagine that chariot with a wild horse on the other end, and you're in that rickety cart with nothing but the reins. When our mind and heart is not trained, when we are responding to anger without wisdom, that horse is in control, the anger is in control. We're nothing more than just the rein holder. We aren't really driving. The anger is. But it's through mastery, it's being with it in practice that allows us to actually move with anger. To allow it to be seen, not be afraid of it, and not have it control our speech, our actions, and our mind. When those angry thoughts come in, we don't believe them anymore. We see them for what they are. And then certainly not going to act from them because we understand deeply that when we do, not only does it cultivate more chances for anger in us in the future, but also for others. What we put out has ripple effects in this way. This is from the Brahmadatta Sutta and the Terragatta, which these are actually not verses from the Buddha. These are verses from elder monks um, just after the time of the Buddha. At least that's what it said. And this really speaks to the deepening of understanding when we can really understand uh, what anger is and what it produces. why we actually need to abandon it from a place of wisdom. Why we need to restrain from it from a place of wisdom. That all of this is an act of compassion not just for us, but for all beings everywhere. It says, you make things worse when you flare up at someone who's angry. Whoever doesn't flare up at someone who's angry, wins a battle hard to win. You live for the good of both, your own, the others. When knowing the others provoked, you mindfully grow calm. When you work the cure for both, your own, The others, those who think you are a fool, know nothing of dharma. So this is the battle that's very hard to win. But the only way that we can, not just in ourselves, but in the world, to make a difference in the world, to... Stop the cultivation of anger and hatred and harm. We do this practice of not cultivating anger, not cultivating harm. It makes so much sense when I say it out loud. It's not so easy when we're out in the world, because of course our knee jerk reaction is you know, you jerk, you almost hit me, or you just cut me off, or you know, it's that kind of reaction. So it takes practice, it takes time, it takes a commitment to really um, get to know this particular emotion, know its flavors, know how it drives us, not to be afraid of it, to not allow it to be so uncomfortable that we want to push it away or not see it. So I'll stop there with plenty of time for discussion, questions. um, I'd love to hear what comes up for you. This is a very big topic, and I'm really only touching on a little bit of it. There are many things that the Buddha said that I'm not covering in this short period of time. So there might be something that feels unsaid that you'd like to bring up, or you have a question about, or it's not s- quite settled in you. And so this would be a great time to bring that up. Um, and also, I'd love to hear your own wisdom around the theme of anger. So we'll pass around the mic. This will be a little tricky. Maybe I can get this back on and see what we can do with this, with this mic situation.
1: So I think you had touched on. I think you touched on the fact that if you if you express anger, it tends to cultivate it, and it has ripple effects. Is there a is there a wrong way, or if is there a danger that if you bring it to consciousness, that you can also um, let it feed on itself? If you if you don't do that in the right way.
0: Um, let me. Oh, it's on, isn't it? Let me see that I understand your question. Um, you were saying that I was saying uh, to even allow it to arise and be expressed that there can be danger in that, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, what what was the question in there?
1: Okay, so let me rephrase it. If sure. you are if you are um, bringing it to consciousness in a way that you maybe you, you t- are dwelling on it and letting mm-hmm. it feed on itself, is there uh-huh. how what are the signs that you are you are not um you're not examining it in a, in a skillful way
0: mm. yeah what are the what are the signs that's a great question well i would imagine uh just the feeling of it being fed that it's um uh, being fed in the mind especially in our thoughts So when we have a train of thoughts that are going one from another to another with the tone of anger, when there isn't the wisdom coming in saying that this is anger, coming back to investigation around what is this? Well, this is anger. How do I know it's anger? I know it's anger because it feels like this in my body right now. It's producing these types of thoughts. The vedana or uh, feeling tone is unpleasant, or maybe it's pleasant, um, <laughs> depending. Um, really having that investigative quality rather than almost a spinning out quality around it. Yeah. Is that, does that answer your, your question?
1: Yes, I think so. Maybe another way to phrase it is that you're kind of you don't have a feeling of detachment about it.
0: Mm -hmm. You're really connected. Well, mindfulness in itself, there. Mindfulness is not a passive awareness. When we are mindful of it, when we are really investigating what is this, Um, there's a knowing, a direct contact with. Oh, this is anger. This is what's happening. So there isn't disconnect, but I think you're right. When we are in in the throes of anger, um, it can feel so alive. I will say it feels very alive. I think in the mind and the body, but there is the quality, some quality of disconnect. Perhaps uh, we feel disconnected from our body because we're so in our head, and maybe because of the fear quality, even sometimes. In our reaction of fear, our consciousness really goes up um, and is not grounded in the body. Other times we could be very grounded in the body and really feel it in the body. But we feel very disconnected from another because of the quality of of thoughts and what our, what our heart is doing. And so the heart can feel very disconnected um, from a person or a situation, closed down, um, unavailable, too vulnerable, afraid um, so we can look for these signs with anger and it does it ha- it, it arises really differently in all of us. Um, so our flavor of anger and what it feels like might be different from another person what what I call anger might really differ from what someone else might call anger, or your experience of anger, depending on the situation, too, it can really be um, experienced differently. Um, so that's a little aside from your question, but um, yeah, I hope that <laughs> that's more direct. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Hello. Hi. So, yeah, um, what I was mostly wondering about um, this conversation about anger, right, is, uh, well, for me personally, like, I work with a lot of um, homeless, uh, youth, people of color, Mm -hmm. and it's very easy to see, you know, like, racial injustice, like systems like these and all of, of, like, uh, things that you should get angry at. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? but at the same time like knowing that this cultivation of anger right like the entertainment of it also leads to like unskillful means Mm -hmm. uh but i've always wondered because like in the context of like say the buddha or other like say Ajahn cha um right who 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 display wrath Mm -hmm. skillfully Mm -hmm. as a means of teaching and and like pushing for a needed change in an individual, if that's what's needed. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering on what your thoughts are on that mm-hmm. with regards to, like, changes like these, where I think you get what I'm saying, where you're yeah. not cultivating the anger, but you're entertaining it, and you're using it as mm-hmm. a means, like upaya, skillful means.
0: Yeah, thank yeah. you for the question. It's, it, it, it was actually part of this conversation that was happening uh, with me and this other individual this week. There's a lot to be angry about in this world right now. Absolutely. (laughs) Appropriately. Right? It is what we do with that anger that really matters. And so there's a few ways to respond. One is looking first looking at what the anger is doing to us. There is... There's a few different things happening, right? There's the um, cause and conditions that arise from people doing really awful, harmful, divisive actions and having in speech along with that in this world that affect us. And then there's also the anger that we have in response to that to look at that as well. How is my anger, or the anger that's arising in me, how is that affecting me as well? And as we start to tease apart those experiences, uh, you know, the Buddha, there's the really famous, often used quote about the, the coal, the piece of coal, that if you pick up a hot piece of coal and you're ready to throw it at another, the person who actually gets burned is you. And anger works this way. And so we, might, we don't have control over other people's actions and speech and their ignorance. Uh, we, can, we can work to make change around that, absolutely. And we only have so much control. We, we really don't have that kind of control. What we can have more control over is how we're internalizing it. And I realize that I'm saying this as a white person from some privilege. And this is also part of the teachings of the Buddha, and so looking at that piece, for one. The other piece about your question that I think is really interesting is that it speaks to the power that we feel sometimes when we're angry about something, especially, especially when there's something unjust happening. And the anger that arises that can really bring about motivation and that motivation from that anger, you know, we can do a lot from that. And it's possible that we can have some kind of effect. Whether the effect is overall positive or or you could say wholesome or unwholesome, it gets really tricky when it's motivated from anger. If we can transform the anger to compassion in the sense that we see the injustices happening in the world and we feel our connection to it. Or maybe it's not out in the world. Maybe it's like right here at home, right? And we feel the connection to it. Our heart aches. That's compassion Our heart aches because of it. I think my belief is that that same power that we find in anger can be found in compassion and that we can actually be motivated and move and make change from that as well. But it's not as easy to go to that place. (laughs) It's much more instinctual to go to the anger than to go to compassion. I think for most of us, we have to really train our minds and hearts in order for it to go to compassion. But when we can go there and move from that, that same power can be there. I think that that's, you know, you talked about Ajahn Chah and the Buddha as well, and we have actually a number of leaders in the world who fought for, uh, justice, who knew what that was. And there was, I'm sure there was anger that would arise too. But the skill of transforming it into compassion, to move from there, and the power of that. And that power is felt in a very different way than, I think, anger. It motivates people in a different way than anger. So it's, it's something to consider, and um, something, maybe even the thought of it, uh, something to inspire us to 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 be at that place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jim.
3: I'm really struck by the power of the experience that you had when you finally sat for the full 45 minutes plus (sighs) with the anger. Um, And as you shared it, it was clear that there was really like kind of a life-transforming experience. And I'm I'm trying to explore and understand a little bit more what was special about that sitting with anger as opposed to all of the other times that you (laughs) sat with anger because it wasn't the first time that you just experienced the anger. It's true. But I'm I'm as I just sort of trying to feel into what the experience was for you. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe there was something that there was that Victor Frankl's gap between the stimulus and the response, or there was something where uh-huh. where the anger was just as strong, but there was sort of a core of you that was standing watching without judging it or mm-hmm. something as opposed to getting swallowed by it or as opposed to pushing, but sitting and being with um, i mean there was there was somehow there was a core of loving heart that was with the anger instead of just the raw experiencing of it and Maybe what was ready, what was in your words, ready to sit with it? Then is that somehow by doing meta long enough or something, you had that core that was solidified for just long enough that now I can make it through or something. I, I'm just I'm exploring. I'm trying to understand yeah, yeah. what that was that was happening for you so that we can maybe transfer it into
0: <laughs>
3: into, into all well, of our experiences. Really, like yeah.
0: I will say that. Well. Everyone will have to work with this in their own way and in their own time. What I did find was because I had been practicing with the metta practice, um, there was a sense of capacity that I, I had a capacity now to be with it. I think that's the strength of the heart that comes with the, the heart practices. There's a strength that comes from it that's not heady and intellectual. It's really an embodied feeling. It's, it's uh, an awareness. Um, so I think that was the readiness. And the difference between that sit and the other sits was the, the attitude of allow. I was really allowing it to be there. There wasn't a trying to push it away. Where before, I, was, I had all these clever ways that looked good. <laughs> to keep it at bay, I, and, and really underneath it, I was really not willing to be with it. I was doing whatever I could to um, kind of bandage it up or get rid of it as quick as possible so I could get on with my meditation. And this time was, th- that one time was very different in that it was really the attitude of allow and holding it in the space of wisdom And awareness, not needing it to be anything other than it was, simply being with it. Uh, Being with it in the sense, what I mean by that, um, feeling it, knowing it, watching it, observing it fully, you know this quality of investigation and curiosity of what is this, was present. And through that, there just wasn't any of this pushing away. It was just a full openness and allowing for it to be there. But it was held in, in, in a way where I wasn't overwhelmed. It got really big, but I wasn't overwhelmed by it. I, I could feel that there was something else there holding it that was even bigger than the anger this awareness that was much bigger than the than the anger.
3: R- ready to climb into the chariot and hang on for dear life, and, <laughs> and uh, you are? No, no. You sound like you were. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, you yeah. were ready to climb in to the chariot and 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 just hang on. Yeah, and let the let the horse be the wild horse.
0: You know, I say this often, and I'll end with this because we are at time. Uh, This practice takes courage. It does. We don't need it all the time, but when we are faced with the discomforts of life and of our humanness, it takes a lot of courage. And that's part of the strengthening of the heart and the process of strengthening the heart and the mind to even be able to have that capacity to do that. That's a big part of what we are doing here and so I think that that's that's all true. What you're saying, yeah. Okay, we got to end. <laughs> you guys want to go home? <laughs> yeah. We'll do a quick dedication, and in the spirit of what we've been talking about, exploring together, um, as anger has those ripple effects, so does the wholesomeness of us coming together in this way and spending our evening in this way has ripple effects that go out into our, our lives, into the lives of people we care about, and also in, touches the lives of people we may not know, people uh, that uh, maybe go unnoticed even by us. Um, the wholesomeness of our practice has ripple effects that uh, we can't even understand, begin to understand. And so with that in mind, we dedicate the wholesomeness of our practice and that it may be not just for us, but for the benefit of all beings everywhere, excluding none. And that may all beings have contentment in their lives. May all beings be healthy in their minds and in their body. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm and may all beings taste the freedom from that hatred greed and delusion